is on his way. Do me a favor. Go get my ride. Ain't nobody else ever sat on it before. That's that fresh interior. Who's got the heart of service? Who came to serve? Who can take the keys and punch it? And bring it back when the party's ready to make their exit. Got that valet service on rock. The first thing you experience when you show up. The last one to see you out. Always ready, always on the grind. Stay ready, stay diligent. Keep discerning, keep that heart open. Eyes set on God, mind on the prize. From Jerusalem to the Brooklyn slums. The blood of Jesus covers everyone. Somebody in here has been through it. Somebody listening is going through it. But this Palm Sunday, we lay it down. We crack the branches off and we lay it down. Throw these jackets off, all this nice apparel. I won't need that. I'm going back to my maker, just as they prepared me. Naked, stripped. I am the ballet. I am the one of service. I am responsible for what's been given me. I am the one that's gotta decide who's gonna cry out. I mean, really, who all here can say that they have treated God like an Uber driver, like their ride share, like a lift, like they're a valet service, a Postmates? We just arrive and dine and then go on our way. You know, it's interesting, the valet, we rely on them with total confidence to take care of our possessions our situation, our vehicle, in most cases. And the hope is that it wouldn't suffer any damage. It wouldn't further depreciate in value. Who's really relying on God with total confidence? I'll, I'll be the first to admit, I struggle with it. The good part is God is reliable like that. I can leave him with my good, my valuables, my possessions, my troubles, my worries, my achievements, my rewards, with total confidence that when I'm ready to receive it, when I need it, he'll supply it. He'll go get it. He allows us to leave our concerns in his care. We're going to start in Luke chapter 19, verse 29. Luke chapter 19, verse 29. It says, as he approached Bethphage, and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent out two of his disciples, verse 30, saying, go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, on which no one has ever sat. 
untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying it? Tell him the Lord needs it. Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If that ain't valet service, then I don't know what is. Jesus sends his disciples to retrieve the colt. His disciples were made to be valets. We are the valet. We serve God. See, and valets don't complain when summoned. Some do, some do. But they stand ready at attention, prepared, constantly moving and ready. I don't know about you, but I haven't seen too many overweight valets because the work requires that they say can stay consistent, stay mobile. The disciples were Jesus's valet. The colt, the young donkey, the young ass belonged to God, not man. See, that's the thing about the valet. We show up with our possession, our car, for a frame of reference. We give it to the valet to take care of it, to park it, to keep it secure. And then we come back for it when it's time to go. See, God left the cult with us, with mankind, that we would take care of it, that we would be stewards of this earth and all its inhabitants and assume responsibility. Assume the responsibility. See, it's not us that's arriving, it's God. That's why the cult, if anyone asks, why are you untying it? It already belonged to God. It was on loan to you. It was in your, your possession momentarily, temporarily, but not for long. So Jesus knew where the cult was because it was always his. He probably knew where every cult was, just like he knew the numbers on, of our hairs on the top of our head. Our souls are God's. They belong to God. The body, this earth, these finite fixings, like the post that the cult was fixed upon that was tied to, that's representative of a parking lot, the garage. See, it's cool to ride somewhere, and you got all these nice vehicles in one place. Because it looks, you can, you can pick up the aura, the energy, the esteem, the presence by what the vehicle communicates. And when they're gathered together, that wealth builds, that richness of thought builds, the idea, the grandiosity, it builds. The body, this earth, is the parking garage. It's the lot. It's the secure place. The mind is the valet. Our soul, the service. Go with me to Proverbs 4.23. Proverbs 4.23. Now, it's interesting that, that this message is coming in the fourth month of the year, in the 23rd of the second millennia, year-wise. Proverbs 4.23, interesting, it's April of 2023. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Emmett Fox, 
the theologian, the philosopher, the writer, um, that was today's meditation coming out of Proverbs. He talks about and discusses how the heart, in a metaphysical sense, is the subconscious mind. See, the valet is always on call, but not always in demand. But when someone arrives, they're ready. They go and open the door, they accept the keys, they exchange the ticket. And when that party makes their exit out of the foyer, the valet goes and retrieves the car. Even though they might have been on their phone texting, even though they might have been chatting it up with the other service people, the foot soldiers, the footmen, the valets, the concierge, they stay ready. Their heart posture is with diligence. This verse reads in the Amplified Version, from, flow it, from it flow the springs of life. In other versions it says, from it flow the issues of life. If my heart posture is not correct, if my mind's not set on what I'm actually here to do, issues tend to arise. Maybe some of you can relate. I'm going to jump back to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, on whom our faith depends from beginning to end. He did not give up because of the cross. On the contrary, because of the joy that was waiting for him. He thought nothing of the disgrace of dying on the cross, and he is now seated at the right side of God's throne. This is a reminder to keep our eyes on God and stay ready. Let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, on whom our faith depends from beginning to end, from Alpha to Omega. He did not give up because of the cross. On the contrary, because of the joy that was waiting for him. He thought nothing of the disgrace of dying on the cross. See, dying on the cross was, was an embarrassing moment. It was full exposure. Impaled, bloodied, naked. There's a humbling aspect to being a valet, to not being the one that's showing up at the restaurant, to not be the one that's checking in to the five-star hotel to be the one that got off the bus and had to walk up to the front doors of the venue. And maybe not even because you're there to stay and enjoy the evening or the festivities, but you work there. But it's necessary. I would beg of you to consider the valet's role in watching the door. Watch the door. We're gonna to go to the Gospel of John Chapter 10, verse 7. So Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Watch the door. John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the door, and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. You don't get to go inside. You don't get to go party. You don't get to enjoy the great manifestations that God has awaiting us without going through the door. John 10, 9, I am the gate, the door. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full, and have it to the full. 
See, the key to our transition to experiencing that very joy that Jesus awaited on the other side of his crucifixion. Some of us may consider it unfortunate, but it is death. Any man that lay down his life for me shall pick it up. Death, in the physical sense, is that transition where we get to actually make our way through that entrance and meet Jesus and experience heaven. And we don't have to worry about ever having to check out. See, literally, our soul in death is being returned to its rightful owner. I know for me, what God wants for me is for me to symbolically lay down my life here while I'm physically alive and understand that this is on loan, that it was never mine to keep. It belongs rightfully to God, and that's a good place to be, humbling, because it's not mine. But what about me? I'm not enough. God is. Let's go to John chapter 11, verses 25 through 26. Jesus said to her, he's talking to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. See, as prosperous as that sound, we get caught up in the glitz and glamour of this finite experience of the parking lot, of the garage. We like seeing what we got parked next to the G-Wagons and the Range Rovers, the Teslas. And we enjoy, we get that dopamine drip, all the emotions that come with that moment of making an entrance. And the party's watching, maybe they're still in the restaurant or they're waiting for their ride to be pulled up and returned. But it makes a statement on what you ride out in and what you show up in. See, we don't want the party to stop. We don't ever want the restaurant to close. That's the type of person I am. And thus we mourn when someone goes on, when they die. We fear death rather than accepting that it's inevitable. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. Communication. There's a significance to communication. Yes, in the beginning was the word. Word works through communication. Whether it be the transference of word of the soul from one vehicle to another, from one driver to another. See, and you may be driving, but God says it's still in my name. It's my name that's on the title. It's still mine. The soul is God's, and we wonder why we have so much conflict within ourselves when we abuse the body. The body is the vehicle. The soul is inside the body, and the soul belongs to God. So in the case of communication and the word, how words transact 
We have party A sending a message through a medium, whether that be speech, podcasts, writing, clicks, sounds, or vibrations. See, and that message is received by party B. That is communication. It's transactional. But if B doesn't receive it, then the message has not served its purpose. If party B does not receive the message that was sent by the initial party, the initial communicator, then communication has not been fulfilled. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. The valet will not come back empty-handed. If the job, if the service was performed diligently, correctly, if the vehicle, the possession, what was necessary to be cared for and restored and protected is returned to its rightful owner. Hmm. On this Palm Sunday, who is the valet? Who's up in here for service? Who's going to go get it? Who's going to be the one that comes back with it? Who are the ones God can count on to do what God says? Who's doing it not for the tip, but for the experience? For the chance just to be a part of it, to know they played a role, that they fulfilled the request, they delivered, and simply say at the end of the day, I got something to do with it. Revelations. Chapter 19, verse 11. Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God, and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, from the book of Revelation, talking about Jesus' return. I'm okay with serving a tatted-up Christ. It says it right there. See, some folks got issues with tattoos. Jesus is coming back with a tattoo inscribed on his thigh, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You better recognize. See, religion gets flustered over dress code over pronouns, and I don't understand why. When Jesus was wearing tunics, that, that's a dress. Don't miss out on enlightenment because of social norms, because of societal standards. Now, to my point, kings typically would ride in and make an entrance on a horse 
this might be equivalent to that G-Wagon, to that Bentley, to that Rolls Royce. Jesus rode into town, not on a horse, but on a donkey. He rode up and left the keys with us. Party of one. See, he was, he was a party of one. To enter into the city, to enter into the venue. And not to be served, but to serve his purpose. Party of one. A donkey can't bear too much weight, can't carry too much of a heavy load. So let us make note that Jesus is coming back on a horse. We got room for two now. Me and you, party of two. There's room enough on that white horse. So in case you don't make it in the first round, he'll be back. He got plenty of space, got so much capacity for each and every one of us. I want us to, to pay attention to the significance of the palm tree and to take note of that and how it represents oasis. It represents sustenance in a dry place. The image of it in the wake of a desert represents hope. Exodus chapter 15, verse 24, as the people grumbled against Moses saying, what are we to drink? Moses cried out to the Lord who pointed out to him a piece of wood. When he threw it into the water, the water became fresh. I just want to make an excerpt here, an interjection. Remember that Jesus was a carpenter. Remember that Jesus is the door. Moses was pointed and directed towards a piece of wood, and when he threw the wood into the bitter water, it became fresh. Hmm. Going back to verse 25, it was here that God, in making statutes and ordinances for them, put them to the test. See, some folks say, oh, my God, my higher power won't test me. God's not like that. I don't, that's not what I go by, because for me, a test is an exam, and it communicates to me on the final grade what my aptitude is and where I need to improve and what wasn't correct where I answered. So I, 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 I just, I have an issue with that. I have an issue with that. I think it's a little ignorant to think that, oh, the devil's playing tricks on me. No, God sets out parameters so that we grow, we develop, because out of perseverance develops character. It was here that God, in making statutes and ordinances for them, put them to the test. He said, if you listen closely to the voice of the Lord, your God, and do what is right in his eyes, if you heed his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will not afflict you with any of the diseases with which I afflicted the Egyptians. For I, the Lord, am your healer. Then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs of water, 12th corporate number of unity, and 70 palm trees. And they camped there near the water, oasis in the desert, in the wilderness. Now remember that it would be the palm trees, the leaves, the branches that laid the way for Jesus to enter Jerusalem while riding the donkey, while riding the colt. Mark chapter 1, verse 3, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him, prepare ye the way of the Lord. 
make straight paths for him. See, when Jesus was entering Jerusalem, making his return after performing all these miracles and doing the ministry, it was John that had claimed, that had exclaimed, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight the paths for him. This is the laying down of the palm branches, of the throwing off of the coats and making straight the path for Jesus to ride into town. It's interesting how Mary and Joseph, God, I thank you, Mary and Joseph left out, ended up in Bethlehem on a donkey. Mary, John, Joseph walking. Jesus coming back, grown man, on a donkey. And now the donkey is the one that's the infant, the cult, full circle. Jesus went out, began his exit on leaves, comes back on clouds. Revelation 1, verse 7, Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. So it is to be. Amen. I want to give respect to the leaves. Matthew chapter 21, verse 7. They brought the donkey and the colt and laid their cloaks on them. And Jesus sat on them. Verse 8. A massive crowd spread their cloaks on the, on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. The palm tree leaves, the branches, symbols of salvation. The cloaks, the clothes that they were wearing, symbols of shame, interwoven with each other. See, the palm leaf symbolizes eternal life, of serenity. It symbolizes triumph. When Jesus made his triumphant entrance on Palm Sunday, his followers, the believers, at his feet, they laid these palm branches. This became a, a symbol of victory of the faithful over the enemy. But let's take it all the way back centuries before, generations before, to Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eyes, and that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom, she took the fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. And the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. So they sewed together fig leaves and made coverings for themselves. The fig leaf equates to something that hides something else, the symbol, huh? especially something that is dishonest or embarrassing. Full circle, the leaves and coats represent the nakedness required to be fully redeemed. We got to take those off. See, in the beginning, we use leaves to hide ourselves from God, to close ourselves off. Now in the end, we're using the leaves to make way, to remain open, to welcome Yeshua, the anointed one, the anointed Messiah, the salvation. And I, I want to pay respect to God's, God's appreciation for design. And throughout the Bible, we see that God 
does like designing. Look at this life that we live. Look at this earth, this universe. But also down to the garments that he prepares for people and the descriptions down to the, the thread or the cubic, the measurements in, throughout the Bible from Joseph's, Joseph's coat of many colors to what Aaron, the brother of Moses, would bear as the first priest of the church. Aaron, who was dancing naked, stripped in front of a golden idol. While he was doing that, God was designing his cloak. Take off them cloaks. You won't need them for where we are going. God wants you back, and he wants you back naked, just how he created and designed you, the real you. We don't need all that glitz and glam. Yeah, we appreciate it while we're here, but it won't be necessary for the return. Maybe not literally, but in character, in spirit, in willingness. Just as willing and prepared in thought as the valet. Now let's get down to the nitty-gritty. What is a valet? As I close, a valet is the French word for a footman acting as an attendant to a horseman. A footman acting as an attendant to a horseman. A man that rides a horse. Jesus is coming back on a white horse. A footman is a servant who admits visitors. A footman is also a soldier in the infantry. I am a soldier in the army of the Lord. I am a servant. And what I get to do today is help people that listen. The visitors come on through. I introduce them to the door and I let him take it from there. The valet is the front lines. Let it be known that the valet is the first one that greets you upon arriving and the last one that sees you out. The one who greets you and the one who sees you leave. Who is the valet? Looks like it could be you. It could be me. Either way, we have found a way. I want to thank you for joining us today. Let's celebrate God's glory. Jesus making his triumphant entrance for a bittersweet death. Bitter in the physical, sweet in the spiritual. Ballet service. Who's ready, standing at attention, astutely? Who's going to welcome those that are on their way? And who's going to be there to commend the ones that are leaving? Who's going to make introductions to the door, the way?